the Supreme Secretary of the Rosicrucian Order Amark, Arthur C. Piepenbrink. As a student in the Rosicrucian Order, you are exposed to subjects that cover a wide range of information. You are schooled in literature and science, in health and philosophy, and there is an extensive consideration of human behavior. The Rosicrucian teachings are in fact a study of life as a whole. We make an effort to relate all experience and all phenomena to a universal cause, to a first cause, as it were. The particular study of this first cause falls into the general area of what we call metaphysics. While the term metaphysics means beyond physics, it is in fact simply an extension of physics into a non-objective, yet equally substantial, aspect of being. It relates particularly to man's psychic structure. The study of metaphysics is indeed one of the most intriguing aspects of the total Rosicrucian program. An understanding of it is a requirement for mystical development and personal mastership. It involves the body of the universe, the substance of which being is made, the real existence with which mind and consciousness deal. To digress for a moment, we often assume that metaphysics and physics are worlds apart and that they deal with separate laws and principles. This is not true. The laws and principles are the same. There is only one set of laws, cosmic law. It governs all aspects of life, and it is important that we realize and understand this. At one time, physics as such dealt only with the visible universe, while metaphysics dealt with the invisible. But physics today is exploring the fundamental essence of being, digging deeper and deeper into the invisible. In time, perhaps, physics and metaphysics will again join. They will admit to a common goal and a common substance. The prima materia of the alchemists will be their mutual concern. It is prima materia and the laws that govern it that have ever been of interest to the Rosicrucian. It is in this primary substance that all manifestations have their origin. If you understand it, you understand everything. In Rosicrucian metaphysics, we regard the prima materia as the fundamental building block of matter. We call it spirit energy. As an allusion to this, in current day physical sciences, some of the new textbooks have this remarkable reference to our vocabulary. And I quote, an ammonia molecule has the formula NH3, one part nitrogen to three parts hydrogen. 
the nitrogen is bonded to these hydrogens. It vibrates constantly among the three hydrogens. This is the atomic clock you may have read about. The rate of vibration obtained with the help of the spectroscope and a computer is 23,870,100 times a second. The present standard of time is based on the vibration frequency of a cesium atom, however, as it appears to be the most stable, varying only one second in 6,000 years. Thus you see, matter is now being measured in terms of vibrations per second, exactly as the Rosicrucians expound in our honored teachings, where we say that the only difference between one form of matter and another is in the rate of vibration of spirit energy. Thus, our metaphysics is further confirmed by modern measuring devices. Many centuries ago, Immanuel Kant voiced the opinion that he believed all universal knowledge could someday be brought under the scrutiny of objective measurement, and perhaps it can. Rosicrucian metaphysics is, of course, based on Rosicrucian ontology. Ontology, or the science of being, is the starting point from which we draw all our inferences regarding life. If there is an error in our ontology, the errors in our inferences are multiplied many times. The main reason that Rosicrucian teachings are so effective in the lives of our members is that they are based on an ontology that has a minimum of error, and of course in the future, the more we reduce any error that might be there, the more effective will the teachings be. Now to review. According to the Rosicrucian science of being, there is a single basic substance which we call spirit energy. This was the prima materia of the alchemist. Everything that is tangible, everything that you can taste, smell, see, hear, feel, or think about, all things of which you are conscious are due to the vibrations of this prima materia. A second aspect of being, according to Rosicrucian science, is force. Force or energy causes motion in the prima materia. This motion is in the form of vibration and it is through the motion or vibration of being that we are made aware of things. Awareness or consciousness is an attribute of being brought about by the unique combination of prima materia, force, and the third aspect of being, mind. Mind is a characteristic of being which under certain conditions and configurations enables being to be conscious of itself and enables it, to a limited extent, to direct itself. These three aspects of being comprise the basic ontology of the Rosicrucians. It is notable that all three are fairly obvious and demonstrable. There is no attempt on the part of nature to be secretive, complicated, or especially profound. A child can easily see that the universe is, that there is a substance to existence. He can be aware of motion 
and the change that motion brings about. And thirdly, he knows that he is conscious of all this and that he can, to some extent, manipulate his environment. But the absolute nature of substance is difficult, if not impossible, for man to comprehend. By the time he is aware of it, it has taken on forms and representations colored by his faculties of perception. Nevertheless, he knows that he is aware of being because of the wave properties of substance in motion. Waves of light, waves of sound, waves of feeling, all caused by the vibrations of our prima materia. Each different wave grouping or wave configuration gives us an impression of a different manifestation. We are aware of our universe then, mentally and physically, through the medium of waves of prima materia. These waves are interpreted through our sense organs and through our conscious processes as the events and the forms of our everyday existence. Since we are aware of matter only when our conscious processes are stimulated by wave impulses, we say then that the real, external, three-dimensional world which we perceive is an illusion. It is a projection of an event that is happening within. We make a point of this in our early degree monographs, but somehow it doesn't always register on the member until he has come up against the subject time and again. So let us state it again. The form, the state, the space and time relationships of anything you behold is an illusion. It is an illusion in the sense that you are not perceiving an actual event, but only a reflection or projection of it. Pick out some object in the room where you are sitting. Pick out a chair. Now we are accustomed to thinking that the chair is a piece of solid matter and that it is out there in space, let us say some 10 feet away, and in terms of time, a few seconds away from us. Yet the chair is not away from us in place or in time, nor is it solid matter. The chair is the result of a wave configuration in our consciousness, and we only perceive it to be solid matter out in front of us, occupying space. You may think that it is not important to thus analyze our experiences, but as we go along you will see that we must first understand this very basic problem of awareness before we can fully understand the basis on which we attack our problems and on which we work toward peace profound. The chair which you are observing has as its basis a certain wave configuration of prima materia. The elements that compose the chair are so many vibrations per second of spirit energy. And these vibrations have stimulated your conscious centers by way of your eyes and the optic nerve. Then in the darkened recesses of your brain, 
these vibrations give rise to imagery and you see the chair but not in your brain not inside your head where the function of consciousness originates but out in front of you in a time-space world but again that time-space world is an illusion because there is no way in which you can look out upon any kind of a world from the inside of your head there are no holds there is just a mass of intricately woven nerve fiber yet because of the peculiar construction of our conscious processes we imagine that we are in a spacious form-filled arena when in actuality we are the recipients of a bombardment of wave stimuli which give rise to this illusion. If we accept the fact that the world of objects, space, and time is an illusion, of what value is this information? Since it is a constant illusion and we adapt our lives to it, and it is, after all, a reflection of an actual happening in prima materia, of what value is it to be concerned about its actual state? The importance is that our mind and consciousness act as a filtering agent for all our experiences. It is important that we realize this, that all experience is in actuality a mental experience. And whether we dream, have psychic experiences, or deal with a real world, the same thing is happening in each case. Our conscious processes are being stimulated by wave patterns. And all wave patterns have as their single source the prima materia of the cosmos. A realization of this fact enables us to see how human experience can be colored or altered by the mind through which it is being filtered. Not only do our thoughts or external suggestions affect our interpretation of things that we see or hear, they can actually affect our perception of these things. For example, a person who has been thinking green could possibly actually see green when approaching a red traffic signal. The success of hypnosis or suggestion is due to this principle. Since all of our experiences are internally filtered, any experience can be altered in its appearance to us by creating a mental set that will affect the normal wave configuration which passes through the mind before being realized. Thus, a person under hypnosis can be told that a certain object is to be brought out on a stage. The object is a chair, but the subject is told that it is a bowl of fruit. When the object is brought out, the hypnotized subject will see a bowl of fruit and not a chair. The suggested wave pattern of the hypnotist overrode the wave pattern of the chair in the subject's consciousness, and he perceived as a reality, in time and in space, the dominant wave configuration in his consciousness, a bowl of fruit. 
With this background, we are now ready to look at the little understood area of extrasensory perception. An extrasensory experience, be it a vision, a voice, an astral journey, or what have you, is different from a sensory experience only in the origin of the wave configuration of which it is composed. Whereas sensory experiences draw from a limited band of vibrations of spirit energy, extrasensory experiences draw from a more extensive band. The end result is the same, however. We are still conscious of sights, sounds, odors, tastes, or feelings. And in many cases, an extrasensory experience is just as real as a sensory one. It has firmness, form, color, personality, and every other attribute of a so-called real experience. Any number of people have had the experience of a deceased friend or relative standing by their side shortly after transition. The vision may have spoken. It was clearly visible, even though the room was dark. Was this then a materialization, a physical, objective reality? It was certainly a real experience to those who have experienced such a phenomenon. People may even have been touched by solid flesh or cloth. Yet they were experiencing a manifestation of an extrasensory wave configuration which overrode the sensory impressions in their consciousness. And they saw or heard this extrasensory happening just as they would see or hear an ordinary sensory experience. People who are very close to each other or who are psychically developed, as we say, will have more of these experiences than others. A word of caution should be made here. To say that the uncontrolled or too rapid development of the extrasensory faculty can be a source of injury and irritation to a person. In the Rosicrucian order, this faculty is awakened slowly and in a positive frame of reference, always with thoughts of peace, love, harmony, and health. For we attract to us those things which we invite by our own thinking. People who are afflicted with an overdeveloped extrasensory faculty, wherein the impressions that they receive are uncontrolled, and tending toward fantasy or despair. They should make a concerted effort to be objective for a time. They must reverse the process of development until a balance is reached again. They can then proceed with their experiments in safety. Now, too many people confuse psychic or extrasensory development with mystical growth. The two have no inherent relationship, although a mystic will use, and will be able to use at his command, a greater degree of extrasensory perception as he grows.
To him it is a tool for the attainment of greater service and mastership. But extrasensory perception as such is no indication of a person's mystical development. From here the subject of metaphysics takes us into the nature of force, the energy that gives motion to substance. This force, insofar as we have been able to determine, is electromagnetic in nature and manifests in dual phases, positive and negative. This gives rise to another subject of paramount interest to Rosicrucians, that of polarity. The presence of this dual-phased force in the cosmos gives rise to the undulations of cosmic rhythm that we sense so strongly in our lives. It is responsible not only for the obvious push-pull of physical forces such as gravitation and electromagnetism, but also for the ups and downs of human relationships, the constant fluctuation of human behavior, the controversies and oppositions in our daily encounters. When we speak of striving for balance or seeking harmony in our daily affairs, we are speaking about bringing these two phases of cosmic force into balance. They are everywhere present and in equal number. The answer is not to ignore the negative nor to conquer it as many people are wont to do, for it can neither be ignored nor conquered. The answer is to understand the presence of the negative in our lives and seek a harmonious relationship with it. It is, after all, half of all that there is, an equal partner in the affairs of the cosmos. And you must realize that much of what you are and of what you do is a negative to someone else. Is it a depressing thought to think that negative is here to stay? It is a sobering thought. It is one of the realities of our existence with which Rosicrucians so knowingly cope. It is the eternal cross upon which our soul unfolds. Just in passing, since this is subject for another discussion, we have mentioned that our metaphysics is motion-oriented. In fact, were it not for motion, we would have no waves, no life, and consequently no sensation of life. Consciousness as such, which arises out of motion, would not manifest. But we have motion, a vital life force in our cosmic system. The very nature of motion implies change. For as waves pass on, nothing is the same today as it was yesterday. A changing world is another factor which cannot be ignored or conquered. We cannot make life stand still. Adaptation to change is another requirement for the attainment of harmony and peace profound. And at another time we will take up the significance of motion and change in the behavior patterns of people.